Excuse me back there. We're going to... What? Yes? I don't like him at all, but you <laughs> might as well ask a question then now. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. What's the question? People don't know TM oh, is a trans- meditation trans- technique. Transcendental meditation. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea there is that you gradually refine your nervous system. Every time you meditate, you go into some other. Yeah, yeah. Space. Whose nervous system, though? The one, the, the one that's in this body. <laughs> so the one has the nervous system? Or does the body have the nervous system? Yeah, the system. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's a different way of looking at things. This way is that you're not the body. It's not a denial of the body. Yeah, it's actually you get more into it when you're not it than you ever did when you're in it. Because you're too obsessed with a conceptual idea of it in your head, in a way, a lot of people. So, but this message is you're not a body. And the nervous system is of a body, yes? So, it's nice to, to uh, work on this. This thing can be improved greatly, and it will enrich your life here. But what you are uh, can't be really improved upon because it's already complete as it is. It hasn't. It's not like an urban renewal project. It's not something that uh, you build. Yes. No, the dilemma with that, though, is when you build the knowingness of what of that, it's what is what is it that has that knowingness is the scary thing. I've seen that was that's one of the major dilemmas of spiritual paths. Yes, it sounds like very good, and it is good that you're going to cultivate your awareness of that, whatever. Yes, that no thingness, but that's sort of taking you to be a thing that's cultivating its awareness of no thingness. Yes? So again, it becomes two. It becomes, and what you're taking yourself to be becomes the subject, and then what we truly are becomes the object to that subject. You see how that could be a difficult situation? Yeah. I understand Yeah, don't, don't, yeah, don't go where I am, but just, if you can repeat that first part that you said about you, that you want to have, you want to know it like you think I know it. You want to have an experience of it. That's one of the major uh, dilemmas here, is that the head in selfing wants to be here to get it. It wants to have an experience of what it is. It doesn't really want to be what it is. Well, being what it is is not an experience. Well, how do I get to be what it is? Or how does what it is get to be what it is? Well, 
I understand. Keep going. Yeah, I do. See, that's the point. It's sort of like you're going to annoy your own hand off. Yeah? And then the hand won't grab anymore. You know what I mean? Because you're attempting, it's sort of like... Well, that would be another thing that you're doing. No, there's just, what I found is, I heard this message, yes, and I have been doing similar things as that, TM. I did a lot of uh, meditation, Vipassana and Zen meditation, and so one of the things I saw personally, impersonally, was that there was a fundamental flaw in all of that, which was there was a me assuming to be solid that was doing something, yeah, to have an experience of something else. That's way off to me now. There is nothing to experience. It's more a, it's more a recognition, I'm not this, is, is the activation or the obviousness of what you are. But it won't become obvious to you. Yeah? To a you. It can't become obvious to a you. Because the you is usurping what it is. It's making itself to be a subject when all that is is subjectivity. Yes? So when the you is busy becoming a subject, I, me, my, yeah, the center of my world, yes, I'm the subject, I'm what's seeing, I'm what's hearing, I'm what's feeling, it necessarily makes what you are an object that now you as the subject want to get or have an experience of, you see? And the whole point is that's the dualistic uh, conundrum in a way. So there's, in a sense, there's no thing and yet, there's a sense of being a something that wants to have an experience of no thing. But to have an experience of no thing, or to know no thing as a something, you make it into a something. And you can't know no thing as a something. You just can't. You can't conceptualize it. You can't get it. You can't fit it into a, like a, a conceptual format. It's no thing. It's like they would always try to point out the incomprehensibility of it. The un, it's indescribable, unattainable, unknowable. It's beyond the beyond, yes? What is it beyond? It's beyond a system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness. Yeah? And self-centeredness is basically a system that takes the center to be self, you. A long-lasting, independent, separate entity. So when you take all this living to be you the one, as you the one who's living it, that's making you the subject, yes? In other words, now when conscious contact is happening, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching is going on, there's a feeling that it's I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching, yes? So the manifestation of consciousness here is seeing, hearing, feeling, we call it conscious contact. It's the manifestation of consciousness. Here is conscious contact, yes? But this, this being, this object here, which is a manifestation, claims to be the one who's seeing, the feeling, the seeing, the tasting, touching. So it takes, it claims the virtue of nothingness, yes? And now, it, of course, when it becomes what actually no thing is, in a sense, then it can never recognize no thing, because it's looking for no thing as a something. Yeah? Where it's a recognition, I am not this thing. Yeah. So a lot of people are waiting to get the message, or they're waiting to get it, and they're going to be waiting a long time, because you're never going to get it. That's the good news.
No! There's no you to get it. Was there a time when you thought there was a you, and then there was a time when you knew there wasn't a you? <laughs> but there wasn't a me that did that. <laughs> no! That's the message. When there was No, this thought's of, of a you all day. The whole system is based on you. The thought system. The thought system doesn't change. The thought system is takes you to be a self. You to be an individual entity that's a doer and a haver, yes? What happens is you realize you're not that, and you have an immunity to the thought system. It doesn't mean the thought system now becomes a thought system of non-self. <laughs> It has, it's, it's already been programmed to an extent, yeah? It's not like it gets totally revised, you just lose interest in it. And if, it's just like simple how I used to always say it. If you're in this room here now, yeah, we're doing this little talk, and there's someone you're interested in the other room, let's say biblically, you know, you want to meet the woman of God, and hoping they'll save you somehow. Your life would be so much better if you ever meet them. And obviously it sucks because you haven't met them yet. That's really what happens. The mind in wanting something to, be, to save it lives in bondage. An imaginary made-up bondage. Because why would you wait for a savior unless you believed you were in bondage? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the desire for savior only reinforces the feeling of being bonded. That's what mind's doing. When you're hoping to get out of something, it's actually how you're in it. You don't It's very wild to see when the whole thing shifts and you realize, wait, this is... Totally, I'm looking like I want to go this way, but I really want to run away from something. That's really the movement. The really the movement is I'm running away, I'm not going towards. Yeah? So here, so I'm interested in this lady, and I have a look. See, you would share this the other day. Let's say I'm thinking, I think about something in what's not happening. Let's just say that. Yeah? So I'm thinking next week I'm going to get fired. I have no real, I don't have any evidence I'm going to get fired, but my mind says, I'm, I'm I may get fired next week, yes? So now, and it, it's in what's not happening, so there's absolutely no reality in what's not happening. But I, I project this idea that I'm going to be fired next week, and I make it into a real solid possibility in an imaginary area called the future. This is what's so crazy, yeah? And so what happens now is, now I believe it's a solid, real thing. I'm going to be fired next week. I've given it life. And now my mind worries about it. Yeah? Now, at this moment, it worries, it worships this thing of I'm going to be fired next week. Yeah? And what happens is all your interests and attentions gets displaced from here and now and goes into there and then. Yeah? And so now you're flipping out about what's not happening most of the time. If you've noticed that. Most people are flipping out. They're not flipping out right now. Right now... If you're flipping out, you're not here, in a sense. You're in what's not happening. Because there's nothing to flip out about right now. You may be bored to death with me, or don't like me, but there's no one going to pull a gun on you here. So there's no real threat, but there could be one in what's not happening. <laughs> you could think you're going to be destitute next week, or when I leave here, I got this big parking ticket, I know it, or I should run out there, or whatever, my girlfriend sleeping with my best friend in San Jose, or whatever. <laughs> Why did I come up to the city? <laughs> all this stuff's happening. But it's all activity of the mind now based on like a little temple it made in what's not happening. 
Yeah? Instead of praying to that temple or that altar, you worry. That's what happens. You speculate over and over and over again. And just like people who like do whirling dervishes or they chant, they go into trances, all you do is attend to thoughts that are about shitty things going to happen to you. Over and over again. And so your prayer position is not like this, it's like this. Your mind is just flipping out. And so instead of opening up your heart to the universe, you're closing, contracting down in this little t- temple of mind. Yeah? But the whole point is, the salvation is, it's not happening. <laughs> oh! Anything can happen in what's not happening, but it doesn't have one quality what's happening has, which is it's happening. And this is the antidote to that. No matter how much meaning you give to that, this can override it if you're what? Here. If you're not used to being here, there's a here in there, a conceptual idea of what you think the present moment is, and it's usually very judgmented which is it sucks, or it's not enough, or I'm lacking, or blah, blah, blah. That's not the here I'm talking about. That's a mental here in the there and then. Yeah? It has a sense of what's present, but that's not what's present. It's not that present moment. Yes? It's a mental idea of here, which is what you're trying to get out of all day. Yeah? When I was getting loaded, I wanted to get out of this moment, but this moment wasn't the moment. It was a conceptual moment. My mind had given meaning to this moment, I never, and the whole, my whole salvation was in the exact place I wanted to get away from, which was this moment. But that was the last place I wanted to be, because it wasn't the moment that I was seeing, I was seeing the interpretation of my head of the moment. Yeah? I was totally encased in a mental realm, totally, my, not me, there's no me, but what I am here is attention and interest, more so than a body. You're, if you want to call what's living your life, it's not a body, it's the earth. It's attention and interest. And my attention and interest was caught in this mental realm. And so the present moment was just the past, yes, being projected into a future. That's all it was. So here I am, constantly living, my attention and interest, my body was here, but my attention and interest was living in what's not happening. And what's not happening, anything can happen there. You can be, you can be dead next week. You can ima- whatever your mind can imagine can possibly be happening in what's not happening. Yeah? But the whole point is, <laughs> what occurs is the mind is entertaining that, and that is now, what's not happening is an aspect of what's happening, and it will download into this moment, into the body, anxiety. You'll contract it. You'll have a ball in your gut that never loosens up. You'll just have a contraction that never opens up, no matter how many massages you get. Because that's called the contraction of self, a self There you are in this contraction. Your nerves are jangled. You're sweaty. Your mind is racing to get out of what's not happening. It's fucking mind-boggling. And know why? It's such a beautiful trap. Your mind can never get out of what's not happening. Yeah? It can never get out of what's not happening when it's recognizing it's happening. It's recognizing it's not happening is the only way out. Yeah? What happens when you recognize it's not happening? Do you need therapy about what's not happening? Come on. All you need is an acknowledgement it's not happening. What occurs? Your interest and attention 
gets unwed to that and shows up right here. And that's, to, that's what, if you want to feel like what life is, it's not your body being here, it's your interest and attention being here. Yeah? People can have bodies here for 80 years and they've been checked out almost every one of those years because their interest and attention is not here, it's in the mind. And the mind is in time, the conditional mind. And so basically, they've never been here in a sense. You get every surveillance camera has them on the tape. They may have been in a marriage for 20 years, but in fact they were never there. Because the interest and attention wasn't freed enough to show up here. It was bonded to the slavery of self. It didn't even happen. It didn't even take time. Because the point is, there's no bondage to self. It's a mental process. There's no you to be bonded to it. This, the process of self-centeredness is there's a feeling there's you that's bonded, yes? And it feels authentic, doesn't it? That's showing the self-centered system's working. <laughs> because there's a feeling of you being bonded. All there is is bonding going on. But it implies there's a you that's bonded. That's the hell of self. Don't you see? You see how everything gets interpreted as if it's being done by you or being done to you? And it feels like that's so solid, that's been made up. You didn't have that when you were a baby. You had no sense of being a self. You didn't feel separate until about a year and a half or two years. Yes? We grew into this. A mental process produces the sense of being a self. Yeah? And it, and it has... A, it has an, a daily bonding agent or a glue called the thoughts in your head that are circling around the planet Paul all day, yapping about you then and there and what's going to happen to you, whatever, on and on and on and on and on. That's the glue that bonds your attention and interest. There's no you to be bonded to anything. It bonds your attention and interest to selfing. Yeah? When that attention and interest to selfing is freed up, that's what enlivens your life. It's attention and interest. It's not the body. The body is just a conveyor here. Have you seen a dead body? No attention and interest in it? If you knew that person when they were alive, you would have a strong feeling. That ain't that person I knew. Because what you really knew as that person was the interest in their attention. Their onness. Not the body that's the conveyor or the, the, the vehicle for it. The bumper car around here. The action figure. That's just, this is just the piece that makes the whole game board light up, yes? But it's the attention and interest that's happening. Attention and interest. You can't quantify it. You can't weigh it. You can't package it. It's what can make a beautiful day, and the absence of it can make a boring day, isn't it? If your interest and attention is freed up from the hell of selfie, it can see the flowers. It can take... It can, Sense the magic in this place. It won't take everything. Yes, if I don't do this, therefore that will happen. There's a lot of grace involved in this place. Yeah? We're dealing with something that can't be quantified or weighed. It's not solid. It's mind. And right now, mind has been totally forgotten, and we take ourselves as a conditional mind, which is just the mind in a, like a yogic posture called self-centeredness. Yeah? 
There's 8,000 more asanas you can do. Asanas or postures in this mental yoga. But we're all caught in this one self-centeredness. We're all coiled up and we're just checking everyone else out. Making sure they're just as fucked as we are. Yes, I'm right. I'm right. I'm special in this position. But when you entertain a possibility it may not be that, what happens is your mind opens up. Your antenna stops just picking up K-Paul all day and it starts moving and picks up other downloads, other information. Oh, Jesus Christ, you mean I'm okay? I don't have to accrue value to gather some, to get to a point that I have to defend and protect because all my identity will be in that? Maybe I'm just a free spirit. Who knows? Try it out. But the whole point I found... All of it, all of it gets defeated because let's say you have a beautiful, beautiful event occur. If you want to call an epiphany, we always joke about it, but you know what an epiphany is? I don't, but you know, we call it something. Well, basically, to me, it's like a pause, a living pause, yeah? Where the mind has come out of that yogic posture of self and it's stretched out. And what occurs is, though, the conditional mind usually arises sooner or later and says, I just had this incredible spiritual epiphany. Yeah? Like you were talking about. So the mental process, which is self-centered, yes? So everything, every verb has to have a noun involved in it. Yeah? If you sense a doing, there must be a doer. If you can't figure out who did it here, you'll say God did it. Somehow there's got to be somebody or something that did anything. We have a very difficult time seeing that things just happen here. No, there's got to be a reason. Someone must have done it. You know, who says that? <laughs> it's so much, it's insane. So here you are in this system. So there's the epiphany, which was the absence of selfie, basically. And then the selfie kicks back because it's an incredible, it can reboot itself unbelievably. It can have a huge miracle and forget it in an hour. But it'll have a resentment that it, it, it cultivates for 40 years. It's mind-boggling. It's a mind-boggling system. It loves to be right, yes? And anything that threatens that or shows that that's not important, it just usually overrides. So here you are, you have this moment, and then you're sitting there just being whatever, and then the head goes, oh, if I just had this incredible epiphany. I can't wait to tell my friends. Yeah? That's the self being claiming. Yes? It just claimed the absence of itself in your own life. You just had an incredible experience of the absence of self and, not an experience, but an event, and the self being claimed it. And now again, it just regroups. Oh, I had this epiphany. And now we'll just take that epiphany, make it into an object, and put it somewhere on its mantle, or if it doesn't give a shit about spirituality, throw it in the closet, and whatever, but that thing has been neutered. It was just a perfect free sample of what you're not. Because if life continues when you stop, you mustn't be the one, eh? If selfing can stop, yet life continues, you must not be a self. And if you're an alcoholic, if you've ever had a blackout, I did better in blackouts than I ever did in life. Whoever the Paul was who appeared in the blackout had it more together than the Paul that was usually appearing. Yeah? And the funny thing is, that Paul, that when the old, old Paul shows back up, it says, I had a blackout. But people who, the people who knew me intimately knew me as Paul that night. 
I was having conversations, and then I went into the blackout seemingly, and I didn't miss a beat seemingly. No one called me up and said, you were absent last night. No, they said, you just got so fucked up. Whatever. No one knew that there was that, that Paul was absent, yet the Paul was telling me I had blacked out. I wasn't there for 13 hours. No, there was another Paul there. Another representative. The mental process just slipped another one in. And that one felt like it was the historical Paul when it was running the show. And when it got kicked off the stage, the other one showed up. How is it going to make sense out of two Pauls? So it says there was, I had a blackout. Because how can you be a Paul if there's two of you? If there's two Pauls and no Pauls. You see? You see the mental process? If you get hit in the head, and I swear to God, I used to travel on blackouts. I ended up with beautiful women at blackouts, you know? Before, usually I'd get arrested and go in jail, but a blackout, I was very suave, and I was doing very well out there. And then I did, there was a Paul for those 12 hours, and that Paul thought it was Paul. I'm telling you, there was no suspicion. Am I really this Paul? There was none. None, none, none. This is selfing. We've been taken over by a mental process. It, it presents us as a body with an individual entity, and we're, we had a beginning, and we're going to have an end, and we're this and we're that. It's made up. Yes. Like Lord Buddha said, events happen, deeds are done, but there's no individual doer thereof. Events happen like this, deeds are done. It's not saying there's no doing going on. There's tons of doing going on. But there's no doer. There's no personal doer. Yes? So for me, what I feel I am, if you want to put it in words, is a mind that reflects everything that's happening. Yes? It reflects this that's happening. When I became identified, when the mind thought it was this, it forgot that aspect and thought this was what was happening. And life started from here and all of this was forgotten. Yeah, all of this space, forget about it. This is who I am. Yeah? And therefore, when I see, it's me seeing. When there's hearing, me hearing. Feeling, me feeling. Tasting, me tasting. Touching, me touching. But the taste, touch, seeing, feeling, and hearing come before the mental reaction to it. Conscious contact comes before the mental story that it's you that's in contact. It's a mental process. It takes time. Conscious contact takes no time. Yeah? Conscious contact is timeless. Mental process takes time. The mind to cook up a story based on conscious contact takes a little bit of time. Yeah? So it comes after the conscious contact. I would say we are that, the conscious contact, the seeing, then the idea that there's me seeing. Yeah? I would say that what you truly are in activity and rest here is prior to the appearance of this. Yeah. And this as an appearance will never cross the realm of appearance and go into non-appearance as an appearance. There's no way. It's a recognition, I'm not this, that's that. It's very, very fast in a way. And it's not an experience because if it is an experience, you'll st it'll stop. Yeah? An experience has begins and ends, yes? If it's based on you, and you believe you achieved it, then you'll believe you can do something to lose it. So, 
what's always here at all times will be something that's infrequent and maybe happens or doesn't based on you. That to me is what they call in recovery playing God. The mind playing God with God in a sense. So God is everywhere at all times, you know, ever-present, all-powerful and all-knowing, yet why don't you sense it? Yeah, because you're in a gated little community called a special somewhere. In, in, amidst, uh, in the, in the uh, whole area called everywhere. And you want to have an experience of everywhere, but in the special community of somewhere. <laughs> That's why it doesn't happen. Because you just recognize that you're not the somewhere, and that's everywhere. And that the somewhere was always everywhere, at all times. That there was never a time when there was a real somewhere, and then it was given up and it became everywhere. That's not the case. There's never been a somewhere. It was just a mental streaming called selfing. Yes? <laughs> that's why it never happened to anybody when this seeming break occurs. No, it never happened to a person, and it never happened because, in fact, you see that the whole thing has been timeless from the get-go. Yeah? So longing and patience and, and uh, missing, and, oh, if I would have just stayed with that teacher 30 years ago, you haven't missed a damn thing. Yeah? When, you, when, this, when the emphasis shifts from this to that, you realize there really isn't any time. So you haven't been missing anything. It's like people running to the front of the plane thinking they're going to land first, you know? No, it's just the whole enchilada. <laughs> so it's really, a, it's about entertaining a simple thing. I'm not that, yes? I'm not that. I'm not that which is, which is assumed by all the thinking. See, all the verbing, doesn't it give you a sense of being a noun? Yeah? We said this the other night. Let's say you can't even shit when you want to, right? Literally. You can't shit. Can you? Can you go out and go, I feel like shitting around 6 o'clock tonight. 6.01, I think, yeah. I'll be in there for 30 seconds. It'll be one person. I'll be busy watching my show. No. Shitting basically does what it does, yes? And yet, when the shit comes out, there's a feeling that you took a shit, yeah? You being identified as this. Uh, yes, it's just everyone does that. So, basically, a lot of the activities of the body, we don't really have any control over, but we act as if we do. The mind says, I did this, I shit this. But, you know, it sounds funny if, oh, I'm the one who has to digest the meal I had a little earlier. I'm going to wait till I get home. I'm going to stick the burrito over here. I'll get to it later, you know. No, it's obviously, we have no say in the digestive process, yeah? The only thing that's half voluntary is breath. Everything else is involuntary, all the other organs, basically. Yet... There's another organ called the brain that seems to have something to do with things, with thoughts, yes? Thoughts are incredibly subtle. You can't see them, can you? I can't see your thoughts. I can't hear them. You can't weigh them. Yeah? They're incredibly subtle compared to a shit. You know, a shit you can see in the toilet afterwards. And it would seem like a basic assumption. Yeah, I did that. You know, I'm here. And that, yeah. You know, you can make some sense out of that. It could sound like a good story. But with, with thoughts, it's more difficult, because they're very, very subtle, yeah? And yet, when there's a recognition of a thought, doesn't it feel like you're the thinker of it? Or they're about you, yeah? Isn't it the feeling that you're thinking them? That somehow you have something to do with it? This is the real flavor of the production of self-centeredness. That's what it does. 
It's not producing the thought, it's producing the feeling, which is a thought that you are the thinker. That's where it has us. Yeah? It doesn't have us in the thoughts. The thoughts happen. But the feeling, which is just another thought, that you're the thinker, isn't just, it, that's also a thought that's happening, but the meaning it has for us, our interest and attention is huge. It makes us have a feeling that we're this. Yeah? That's selfing. The selfing is, every time there's a feeling of a verb, there's a noun put into it, before it, yeah? And the noun is specific, it's, it's a you, a you. And then you believe it, and the A drops off, and now it's you. And from that point on, it's an interpretation of life based in self-centeredness. And it produces a lot of dis-ease, irritability and restlessness. The interest and attention, it's like being corralled, it's like being a marathon runner and stuck into a small cellar. Yeah? Your interest and attention is here to enliven this incredible manifestation, and now all it is involved with is obsessing over you. <laughs> the length of your pants, or the shoes you have on, or what color, you know, hair that person has, on and on. But it could be entertaining, let's say, the infinite sense of this space. It's now thinking about my hemline all day. Going home and representing. If I would have just said that to the woman at the coffee shop, I could have had a date maybe tonight. I wouldn't be stuck here watching Office another time, you know. All this stuff. This total obsession is driving... It's just an insane thing, isn't it? Your interest and attention is now... Worrying over one little, let's say, mark on your body, hour after hour, day after day. I mean, it's like, here's all this energy being magnified to one point. In, 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 a, in a way, trying to enliven it, but it actually kills it in a way. Yeah? Really what is needed to me is just at least begin with a certain immunity to thought. Yeah? To question, maybe you're not the thinker of them. And I, we have, if you're in recovery, we have tons of examples of it. Because we do, we do this at this meeting a lot. But when I went to AA, I would sit there for a couple of months and people would share their feelings, their thoughts, and their reactions to life. And after a few months, I came to only two conclusions. I said, either these people have my feelings and my thoughts and my reactions to life, or they're not mine. And the first red, a real big revelation I had in recovery was, these are alcoholic thoughts. This sense of being terminally unique is one of the main ingredients of self-centeredness. I'm suffering from a disease, and why I identify with this person at this group isn't who they are, but what's, been, what's taken them over. They have been taken over by a certain strain of self-centeredness called alcoholism, like a parasite. And the parasite is just sucking up their interest and attention. Just sucking it up and having a life of its own with yours, in a sense. Yeah. So I started getting immunity or relief from thoughts by holding them as alcoholic thoughts. I got a little distance from them. They weren't so important. Then it went a little farther. Yeah. I saw that the whole thing that gives meaning to anything here is M-Y, my. A thought is a thought until it becomes my thought. When it becomes my thought, it has a huge amount of meaning. Because all this is, is meaning, yes? This represents tons of old ideas and beliefs, yes? Tons of conditional memories. And so here's a thought comes by in the head, and there's a scene of it, which is conscious contact. 
And then the mental reaction to the conscious contact is, I'm the thinker of it, or they're about me. And so the thought, which has nature, is to come and go, gets stuck by mine. And then all this, all this mentalness that's, that's represented by a sense of being a self, injects meaning to the thought, yeah? And gives it a meaning, and then it opens it up as if the thought brought the meaning, yeah? And now that thought can drive you crazy. And the same thought in someone else's head won't drive them crazy if they ever could hold it as your thought. It's not the thought that drives us crazy, it's the mind. The my of the thought, and the my of the feelings, and the my of the body, and the my of the career, and the my of the girlfriend. You know what happens? You know, you're with a woman and it's fine, and then it turns into my girlfriend, and your stalking charges can happen. Shit hits the fan. It's incredible. Your whole mind shifts as soon as my happens. Yes? This is called selfing. This is the pro- This is to me is the real problem. If you want to look at it, if you want to deal with consequences, then get up. You know, if you're going to have your house on fire a lot, find a place where there's a lot of water and get some good pails. But if you want to look at the blueprint of it all, this is the blueprint of it all. Most of us are just experiencing consequences. We're actually suffering from the effects of our own solutions coming from self-centeredness. Because the root of the whole problem in recovery is managing. Yeah? We're all playing God. Most people thought it was the drinking, but I haven't drank in a long time. But the problem lives on because the mind and self-centeredness manages. That's what it does. It plays God. It tells you how you are all fucking day. It tells you how you're going to be. It tells you how the day's going to be before you even wake up. It tells you you shouldn't even get up today because it's going to suck. What's that but playing God? And the whole point of the whole program is to quit playing God. How many people are entertaining that? The whole, the whole dilemma, the how and why of it is to quit playing God. How and why of it is a big statement for any program. It's very comprehensive. If you're going to be introduced to a program and someone says, this is the how and why of it, I would listen to it if you're into the program. And it says, quit playing God. It doesn't work. Yeah. So in the, I, I go over this, I like this idea. In the first step in recovery, I hope everyone's in recovery. Uh, everyone's recovering from something, if that's the point. The real root of the, the, the let's say if you want to call it, the original disease is self-centeredness. My first solution to alcoholism was alcohol. My mind was managing a very intense dilemma. I felt really uncomfortable in my own skin. I wanted relief, and it found it in alcohol, yes? And then I suffered from the effects of my own solutions as a self for years, year after year after year. So it says in the first step, we're powerless over alcohol and our lives have become unmanageable. When I first read that, it sounded like the unmanageability was caused by my powerlessness over alcohol. In other words, alcohol caused my unmanageability. It sounded like that, yeah? So I figured in a lot of ways that when I stopped drinking, everything would change. Everything was going to get really good because all this stuff was caused by my drinking and using. And I, was, I, had, a, I, was, I had a rude awakening which is talked about at the end of How It Works, where she says there's three pertinent ideas that we have to be convinced of. Yeah? And our experiences before and after sobriety reinforce these ideas. Before and after. Yeah? And the first one was, I'm an alcoholic, yeah? and, my, and I cannot manage my own life. That sounds totally different than 
I'm powerless over alcohol and my life became unmanageable. It seems like that's a cause and effect statement. This is, the real cause is, I can't manage my own life before and after being sober. That's the real root of the problem to me. That's the playing God. And that's what self does. And I can, that's, I, you're not going to teach self not to do that. <laughs> I mean, self can't get out of self, as you well know, because you've been trying to get out of it for years and you can't seem to get out of it. <laughs> the solution for me is realizing you're not a self. That's getting out of self, because you're never in one. <laughs> That's the only way it works for me. The only way to get out of an imaginary problem is to realize it's imaginary. The dilemma here is we keep applying solutions to an imaginary problem. That's why we're not getting any long-lasting relief, because that's a big problem. It's a big problem if you misdiagnose what you have. If you have a cold, and you think you have the flu, and you spend tons of money on flu medicine and take it religiously, you're not going to get a radical relief. Cold and flu have similar, some similar symptoms, but not all. You know? You're not going to get a radical relief from the cold. Why? Because you've misdiagnosed. It's not a cold. I don't believe it's obsession with self. I believe it's identification as a self. That's the root of the problem to me. The obsession with self is how the mind, what the mind does to keep the identification reinforced. Because it has to, because it's a very unnatural identification. No thing to thing is very, it's a big stretch to have no thing become identified as a thing. That's why it seems, that's why you're so fucking uncomfortable here. <laughs> Here's no thing, and suddenly it's in a location, <laughs> you know? And then the mind uses this location to, to like, project it into the back. I was there at that one time somewhere, and I'm going to be sometime somewhere over there. And then you just think about it. <laughs> you think about what it was like, and you think about what it's going to be like. This is just living in a mental realm, isn't it? Totally disassociated. We should, you ever see those dogs when they have an itching problem, they put those cones on? We should all be half walking around these big cones. Because all we are are here. You know, just walking around. What's going to happen to me? It's insane. You're going to want relief. And you're not going to override that imperative. Yeah? There is a certain imperative that ain't going to buy any other, uh, after a while, will not buy any other advertising. It wants fucking relief. And if it thinks it's going to get it with drugs and alcohol, it will drink again. It will use again. Because it can get very unbearable here with untreated alcoholism, which to me is identification as self. It's a verb, and the verb is identification as a noun. That's the verb. It cannot become a noun. It's a verb. And it will never not be a verb, but it implies that you're a noun. Yeah? So your subjectivity takes, your, takes itself to be the object, and now the object is what's the subject. It's very confusing, yeah? There's a freedom, though, from it. When you recognize what you're not, that's what you are. It's the seeing. Like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. Die to the self and you'll be reborn, yeah? It's in self-forgetting that you feel great. <laughs> <laughs> you see, the whole, so many of them have been pointing to the same thing. Yeah? The solution is right at hand. That's why they say it's an open gate. Yeah? It's the open secret, I mean, and the gateless gate. All these things are attempting to 
to point out or to tickle the sense of how obvious it is. It's right where we are. What's looking right now is what you are looking for. What's looking is the same in all of us, in a sense, yeah? Every one of us is having, quote-unquote, the same experience we're all seeing right now. We're just seeing different objects. You're seeing me as an object. I'm seeing you as an object. But in fact, there's all seeing going on. That's all that's happening, yes? But what happens is, I think, (laughs) there's the eye seeing. You know, the eye means, let's say, spirit. There's only one eye, let's say. And then there's all these knees, which are just identified yous. If you look at it. I take my idea of being a me by seeing you. See? This is a you, but I'm identified as it, so I call it me. (laughs) So, everyone is seeing an object. Everyone is seeing a you. Yeah? Everyone's seeing a you, but this you thinks it's me. (laughs) That's the confusion. (laughs) Because it's very easy, it's very obvious I'm seeing them. I'm seeing, you know, this, it's like, it's so freaking obvious, it's hard to dispute, yeah? This seeing Deb. But the mental reaction to it is, Deb's a you, I'm a you, but no, but I'm a me. I'm different than that you. I'm me. Yeah? But in fact, you see it. We're all objects, yes? To one subject. Don't you feel it? Only one subject is seen right now. Where can you come and get, we get flute music, what more can we do for you? We got the dove and the thing here, looking at it. It's a beautiful place. It's so easy to entertain what you're not. Yeah? You just, the mind can entertain anything. That's the dilemma, in a way, because mind entertained that it was a self, yeah, a body, and now every moment it's entertaining, it entertains as a self. So it's defined by what self's defined by. So what entertains okayness, it's something that it will be later, maybe. Or it was at one time. It's never now, yes? So it's entertaining like crazy now. Your mind's giving meaning to everything right now. But the meaning that's being given is, has, doesn't have the true source. The emptiness where all meanings come from. This meaning is coming from this, in a sense. A thing. So every time my attention interest goes to an object, it comes back to me. I can have 8,000 experiences this week, but only one me will be having them all. You can't see how self-centered that is? It's unbelievable. It's all this attention interest spreading out, and yet the mind goes, sucking it all back to me. You know? How many things? Have you walked down a road? Billions of things are growing. Out of, out of cement, little things are breaking out. You know, there's tons of ants running around. Look at this. But everything, me. It's like you're sucking the energy. You got this little self straw. Suck it all in, and then and then it represents it to you all day at night. You know, what I should have done, what I could have done, if I wouldn't have so, if I, bah, bah. and the meaning is, if I wouldn't have done what I did, it would have been great. Isn't is that incredible? How unbelievable the mind is. How it makes suffering exquisite. You usually want what you don't have. It's incredible, isn't it? How would there be suffering if you wanted what you have? 
The exquisite mental suffering is to want what you don't have, and especially if you never have recourse to have it again. Oh, it's really juicy there. I've seen people do it. Oh, it's beautiful. They're with a woman for years, and they're not even paying much attention to her. That she leaves them, and at that night, they realize she was the source of all their happiness. And she, that they'll never have another chance ever to have that happiness again. Mind-boggling, exquisite suffering. Yeah, just made like that. You had it? No, never. Lost? Ooh! I really wanted that. No, you didn't. It's crazy. It's constantly seeking. And control. Control is another form of seeking. Yeah? All it is. Managing is a form of seeking. All this is products of selfing. When you feel the best, what happens? You've lost interest in self, haven't you? Your interest and attention is flying somewhere else. Maybe when you help another person, like in recovery. It's a beautiful equation. We have ways to get out of self, quote-unquote, in recovery. You do service, yeah? So you do service. And everyone who's done service has had those moments where they felt a light. You know, they felt bigger. You know, it's a sense of space almost. That's getting out of self. The claustrophobicness of self, you come out of. Your mind just comes out of that posture. And so you feel what? Available, yes? You feel, all right, so I do this service, I feel available. What happens when you're available? You sense a presence. We call it God, a higher power, yeah? But you sense something that you're seemingly not sensing most of the time the rest of the day when you're out for you all day, yeah? What happens, so what occurs is the self-centeredness recoagulates, so you go back into thinking it's you again, and then you've got to do, get out of self because it gets unbearable. You do service, and you feel the availability, and you sense the presence, but... The system sucks you back again, and it's always this case, so you have to keep doing service, and if you don't do service, you'll use that to beat yourself up and all this. It's just mine. And yet, if you recognize one time when you hit the presence that maybe you're the presence, not, the, not making the presence an object to you as a subject that you have an experience of, but it's actually the subject, presence on this is the true subject, what would that make you? It would make you available. Yeah? And what, a, what would you be if you were available of service? So here's one way of getting out of self. You've got to do something, have something. Here's my car, I guess. This will have more. I don't really want to do it, but come on. And then you feel better or whatever. Yeah, and then you go home and you think, oh, I'm pretty, doing pretty good. Selfing kicks in and now you're getting identity. And, but, you know? Or you can have a hit that I'm that the presence which causes me to be always available, always, right? And therefore I'm of service. So if I'm doing formal service or not, it's like you're on call all the time. You see, it's so beautiful. One is very doing and having you as the subject. The other is recognizing you're not the subject and a totally different realm you're in. Then you have a feeling of a higher power that is always available at all times with no requirement necessary. None to meet it. In other words, you entertain that it's always so. The bottom line, it's always so. Yeah? So this mind doesn't have any room to play God with God or with the higher power, with presence, like, and make it something that is based on what you do and don't do. 
No, it overrides what you do or don't do. It's the space. Presence is presence. It means it's never been absent. Yeah? It's presence. There's no absence. None. It's not absent. It's only when you're obsessed with you that it seems to be absent. Yes? And then you may have an experience of it if it's based on what you do or have or someone else does or have. But that's very infrequent and it's based on time. But when it's that, what, when it's its true name, which is present, means it's always available, you're in a whole other ball game. Totally different. Totally different than making something that's always so infrequent and based on you. Yeah? Which is playing God. Or recognizing that's what if you want to call God. And instead of, oh, I have a God, God has you. Yeah? I heard a guy speak at this meeting the other night. I have a God, I have a God, you have a God. I said, jeez, I'd rather have a feeling that God has me. If I have a God, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Usually at the most inopportune times, when I really need it, I'll lose it. Yeah? But if I'm, if I'm what life imagines me to be, I'm going to find out what that is. Yeah, I can't know. It's great. Knowing is just mine. Mine wants to know. It doesn't care if it's right or wrong. It just wants to know. People just want to feel like they know something. Because so, it's very insecure for them not to know. When the real security is in insecurity, the highest form of mind in Zen would be called I don't know. Yeah? The don't know mind. It's a beautiful state. Because then you're alert and you find out. Not you aren't alert, you see. Then there's alertness and there's finding out. That's cool. So the whole point in these me- in these meetings, in a way, is just a drama lighter. Yeah. It's not going to change the geography of your life, but you will you'll travel lighter over the terrain. Yes, whatever life has in store for you as an action figure is going to play out. Yeah, but you can travel lighter over it. Obsession with self is like the heaviest idea of all. The biggest idea, the biggest meaning your mind could give anything is that it's you. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, the poor body's under an incredible amount of strain. It's me. <laughs> it's the center of the universe. <laughs> For 80 years. <laughs> How do I get out of that? <laughs> That's not too much for me. <laughs> It's like putting a ton on a half-ton pickup. It ain't going to work. Too much beating. (laughs) Jesus. So this this being absent of being any solid, real person, yes, that's what I'm talking about, absence, is the presence. This being present makes the presence somewhat absent to you. Yeah? You can live as if it's absent. It's not absent, but you can live as if it's absent. When you're super obsessed with this presence, you can live as if that is absent. And we're doing and, and of course, when we live as that if that is absent, there is stuff that we go through by its absence. And it's like a petri dish for anxiety and fear an unknowing, but a fearful unknowing, and all like that. It just grows and grows and grows. But the mind doesn't want to give up its specialness. Yeah, it wants to be this little person. Because it made this. Yeah. So. The proof is in the pudding, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
know. See how you travel. You can't do anything with this stuff. You can't. You're not going to have it. It's impossible. You can't have a no thing. You can't have it. It's not something to be uh, objectified. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. You have it by not having it, in a sense, yes? You fly, it's like those hands. You think they're hands, but if you stop grabbing, they're wings. But the way your mind projects it is it's... So you think they're hands, but in fact, if you'd stop, if there would be a stopping, it's just you'd be flying. Two different ways of life being interpreted. One from a self-centered point of view, and another from a non-self-centered point of view. One frees your interest and attention, and one binds your interest and attention. Yeah, that's what happens. One lives in time, the other one doesn't. Yes? One has an open lens, the other has tunnel vision. One has a drive to be right, the other one doesn't care. One travels quite light, the other one travels very heavy. One goes to a beautiful place, never takes a picture. The other thing goes to a beautiful place, was never there, and takes thousands of pictures. Makes tons of stories about a life that never actually lived. (laughs) When you're living, you don't have much memory of of the day, really. Because you were there. (laughs) The day's sort of like an etch-a-sketch gets gets erased, basically, pretty much. And then... (laughs) This doing and having occurs, and another etch-a-sketch thing forms, and everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? After a while, your attention's more on the screen than all the lines that are appearing on it. Yeah, your your attention gets sort of more absorbed in the context instead of all the content. Yes, you lose interest in the content. Especially, you don't have to try to lose interest in the content as a content. If you lose interest in this content, you'll lose interest in content. Yeah. This is what's binding you. Content's not binding your interest and attention. This content, this object is binding your interest and attention. If you see I'm not this, your interest and attention is freed up. Yeah? And that to me is what paints your life. That's what, that's what gives value to your life. This opportunity or this experience you think you're having here is all brought to you and painted with interest and attention. Not the body. So if I was here, and I saw something, and that's, I saw, let's say, that thing a mile away, what would I really truly be? I would be the, actually the seeing of it. Not this as the seer, or not that as the seeing, but the seeing of it is what I am. Yeah? The livingness of what I am would be the seeing of it. Would be the seeing of the thought, not the content of the thoughts, but the seeing of the thoughts. Yeah? The hearer of the note... Yes, like that. The hearer of that note, not, oh, it's him's phone, and I, it bothered me, you know, but the hearing of it. Yeah. I would say that's what I am, is the verb of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, the underlying awareness of that. Yeah. And it only gets a sense of itself by seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Gets a sense of itself by conscious contact, yeah? That awareness gets a sense of itself by conscious contact. 
pretty juicy to me. Yes, any questions? No? That's good.